This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Coleman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen and Steve Lidyard. This is our post-match show of Holmes. 2-0 loss to Man City. We have a lot to talk about in regards to this match before we do anything else. Stay awake in the UK time for this show. Obviously, it's a different time zone where you are, uh, but it's good to be back on. And uh, looking forward to a bit of bedtime after this. <laughs> Yes, Steve, I think uh, you're going to go straight to bed after doing the show, but I really appreciate you joining us. Mr. Cohen, how are you doing? You looking forward to talking about this match? Yeah, you know, looking forward to it. You know, that's what College Talk does best. We put people to sleep, so glad that we have Steve <laughs> on board. We to talk about a, a loss, but, you know, not as bad as a loss as some people would expect it, so that's that. Very good point. All right. Well, Max, I'm going to start with you. Let's get your opening thoughts on the match on Saturday. Were you extremely disappointed with the result, with the performance? I'm curious your view. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a thrashing like Burnley got the last week of the Eddie had, but there wasn't too much to be positive about, in my opinion. Um, you know, we didn't score, but it's, it's Manchester City, and they've they've battered teams at the Eddie had you know for years like this. I guess the reason why it was a bit different than years past is because. You know, everyone heard the stat. This was only, this was the first time all season they've won two league matches in a row. So we weren't playing a Manchester City team of years past when they were unbeaten, winning every single match. They had a bit of a dodgy start to the season. So, you know, some people speculated we might have had a better run at it than we did, but I was always pretty realistic that it was going to be tough. I think the biggest positive is that from 25 minutes onward, we kept them nil-nil. That's right. Now, I think a part of that is definitely City realizing they've got a crowded European fixture list, taking their foot off the gas. They got the job done in the first 25 minutes. There's a flip side about that. But I think we should look past maybe the result and look towards more minor things. That's the most interesting stuff. You know, for okay. instance, Kearney and Mitro, again, not in the starting lineup. We should talk about that. Yeah, Kearney comes on, doesn't take the captain's armband from Anderson. Now, these are minor things, I think, but in, in a match when there wasn't too much to talk about, maybe that's the most interesting part. So getting those 
angles of Mitro and Kennedy being left out, maybe Kennedy not being the full-time captain after this, who knows? That's what I want to look at because I think Parker is making the big calls of team selection, but we'll see if it changes once we have more winnable matches perhaps. Okay, very interesting that you talk about that. and uh, But I'm going to go back to you because I, I've heard a lot of talk about this as well. Yes, the idea of them taking the foot off the gas, I understand that. But why didn't we get a thrashing? Why didn't they do what they did to Burnley? See, that to me is a counter to that. I, I've heard that. If they were taking the foot off the gas, why wouldn't they want to do what they did against Burnley? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, you can maybe, look at it that Maybe way. just a little credit to Fulham. Just just a little. We can give ourselves credit. But, just a little. I mean, we didn't do anything in, a, in an attacking sense. No, absolutely not. To be expected, but I, I think in this match, you probably should have started Mitro, to be honest. I know it's tough to change it after the Leicester City match, but we just didn't have anything up top. And although Mitro isn't mobile, he's not going to go on the counterattack, I still think you need that threat from set pieces, hold up the ball, build up play put a ball in the box, get get him on the end of it, which you just don't have with Cavalero. And that disappointed me. And even when Kamara came on, playing that central role, that yep. was odd. You know, that Kamara's in front of Mitro in the, in the pecking order, and Kamara didn't really get involved either. It is against Manchester City away. So that's that's the thing that has to go through every single analysis, is that we were likely never going to win this game, right. likely never going to draw out of it. But I'm worried if we keep Mitro on the bench for matches on end, we still need him, even if he's not playing his best. He will be the one who keeps us up with his goals. Because I don't really see it coming from any other players. Lookman, maybe. But I think we need to keep Mitra happy. The Liverpool match is going to be a big test of whether he plays or not. Could tell us a lot about what happens. Well, it's a very good point. And, and uh, we talked about this situation on full-time. What's going on with Mitra? But I'm glad that you also mentioned Kearney. But I think even bigger talking point has to be what's going on with Mitro. But after the match, Max, and then I'll go to Steve because I want Steve's thoughts on this as well. Scott Parker basically just said it had to do with tactics. So what are your thoughts on that? He said this again. Now, the match prior, I totally understood that. Do you buy it this time? You know, and again, uh, conspiracy theory could be that something's going on there, or is this tactical? I do buy Parker's explanation that it's tactical. It makes sense, you know, why he'd want to stick to the lineup that beat Leicester City. I don't think he's had a falling out with Mitro, at least I hope not. I just have to question the tactics in some sense because Cavalero obviously isn't the answer long-term, but I think even in a way match where you're not going to get many opportunities, you want your best finisher on the pitch. You want your best header of the ball on the pitch. Uh, you know, we had set pieces and they were harmless. And I just think you put Mitro in just for just for that aspect of it. And, you know, let's not forget when Kearney was out, normally Mitro's the captain. Mitro's that leader. And I think right. the jump to install Anderson as captain so soon on into his loan spell, does raise some eyebrows uh, for me. I think he has the potential to be a good leader, but someone who's just coming to the squad, taking that captain's armband. If I'm Mitra, I think I'm doubly hurt because one, I'm not playing. Two, maybe Parker doesn't have faith in his leadership. Okay, very good. Steve, over to you. I want to get your thoughts. Before we really get into your just opening thoughts, I, I want to get your commentary on what we're talking about here, about Mitro, about what Max shared about his thoughts on the match. And also, you know, again, when we get to the starting 11, we'll dive a little bit deeper into Joachim Anderson being the captain. Your thoughts? Um, I'm not really sure why 
I mean, we've got no one to replace Mitro, let's be honest, because at the moment he's going to struggle to finish Christmas dinner. Um, but we don't, we don't have anyone to replace him. That's the problem. And this is what, like, I know, Emilio, and you guys keep going on show, show after show. I've said to you guys sort of off air, you know, time and time again, we don't have another striker. We don't have another striker. Uh, you're playing Cavalera as a false nine. We used to, we played Johansson in the championship as a false nine. We've got no other show. We've known about this for longer than this, this season, and we just still haven't addressed it. Um, there's definitely something going on, like you say, there's a lack of confidence with Mitrovic, but at the same time, who, who do you put in? Because they've got, the guys that are stepping in for him, let's be honest, they're not doing any better than he is in terms of hitting the back of the net. Um, and part of that's down to supply as well. So, I mean, Max has covered right. a lot of it, um, but there's got to be something going on. We've got to address it. Okay. You know, and I'm glad that you talked about this, Stephen. And uh, when you look back at this match, it's funny, I watched it a few times back. And uh, I heard some commentary on the match and see uh, curious if this describes it as well. The difference between when Fulham played Leicester City and when they played Manchester City, Steve, was when Fulham got the ball, they were able to break. When Fulham got the ball, when they tried to counter, Man City was all over them. And they just basically took the ball back and then just went right at them again. Would that be a good analysis of what happened? Even when Fulham got the ball, because, again, it was toothless. It was everything that everyone has said about it. But I think you have to give a lot of credit to Man City's plan because they did not give Fulham any space to do what they wanted to do on the counter. In Man, Man City press as a team. I can see it in my exactly. head now. Like you can see pictures of, sort of all three three attackers pressing all at once, yep. blocking all the options out. Whereas when we press, we said it time before, when we press, we don't. We press individually or in ones and twos, but not as a team. If That's you don't right. press as a team, it's never going to work. It's all or nothing. It's literally how it's got to work. Um, you know, Yanis is a coach. He'll tell you that. You're either going to do the pressing as a team or you just not, don't do it at all. You cannot do it individually. It doesn't work that way. Um, plus, on the side note, I was just going to say with opening thoughts as well, I don't... I know it's difficult. I'm not too downbeat because it is, it is City. But at the same time, do you think... Do you think Aston Villa went into that Liverpool game when they won seven two, thinking, "Oh, it's Liverpool. You know, we're going to get we're going to get absolutely turned over." We seem to turn up to the big games, and the players seem to believe it. Oh, we're not going to get anything out of it. You know, why why do you walk into a game believe you're not going to get anything out of it? The mental it's a mentality thing. You've got to change it. Okay, well, that's interesting that you say that, Steve. Because again, you should go into every match thinking that you could win, but. My, again, counter to that is, do you think that they went into the match given Man City too much respect? Because I want, want to talk a little bit about that. Did they do this? Because, again, that's something that Amelia and I talked about. Did they give them too much respect and not believe that they could truly get something out of it, to, to your point? Yeah, absolutely. And and when when the first goal went in, sort of the fifth minute, that was it. You know, you could tell from the body language, yep. like, oh well, we've uh, that's it. We conceded early again. We're already one nil down. We've still got to get two to win the game, or we've got to get one to get something out of this, and they might score again. It's the whole. It's not necessarily the body language because they are positive at times. It's just the whole. You can feel that. You know, when you walk into a room and you feel feel like the tension or something like that, you can just feel at that moment that that that's exactly what they're thinking. It's like, oh, here we go again. Um, okay. Something's got to change there. Whether they hit the front foot, you know, like like the guys are saying, I don't care if we lose three or four nil. I think Amelia said the other day, I don't care if we lose three or four nil, but put a shift, you know, not that they didn't put shifting, but put a bit of effort in, actually show some show some prowess going forward. Um, there's no point just co- sitting comfortably for a two nil defeat because it's pointless. Literally, it's pointless. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
back over to you, Max. Your thoughts on this, on what Steve just shared, because this is something that we talked about. Did they give him too much respect? Talking about Man City. Uh, Did they go into this match with the wrong mentality? Well, I, I don't think that's actually the issue here. It was okay. just that we didn't wake up. We, 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 it's not that we showed up with too much respect. It's that we didn't show up at all the first you know, 10 minutes of the match. And that's an issue we have a lot this season. You, you can't concede early goals in the Premier League and get away with it especially when a team like us when we struggle going forward. You know, it's the same thing happened against Arsenal, Leeds, Villa. You know, the list goes on. Once you get into that 1-0 hole, uh, Palace again, 1-0 hole early in the match, it's so yep. difficult to get back in this division. So I don't think it's that we gave too much respect to them. It's just that we didn't play well. You know, there are two chances Sterling should have put in in the, in, in the first two minutes and then he Absolutely. got the goal in the, um, in the fifth minute. But it's as the center backs were slow. You know, got beaten well far too easily just by simple through balls. Um, I don't think the midfield gave them much cover either, but we just kind of asleep. So I, I don't really want to play into the respect, not respect thing, because I don't think that, that was the issue. But I do want to talk about, you know, 2 0 versus 3 0, 4 0. I do think that actually matters, it. though, because the goal difference will likely matter when it comes out. See, down to I think box. that's important. It I will think... be us or Burnley. Yeah. That's, I'm going to call it. It's us or Burnley. And the fact that Burnley went there and lost 5 0, and we lost 2 0. You know, we are grasping at straws, but I think come May, it might play a factor. And yeah. not only is it about goal difference, but I think it's about confidence um, and just mentality because once we went down 2-0 25 minutes in, heads easily could have dropped. They did easily not. could have been a blowout. And I think Parker and, and the team deserve some credit for yes. not letting the match get away from us like Burnley did or other teams who might have gone to the Eddie had, might have done. So, again, I'm not going to be come here and, and applaud a 2-0 defeat. You know, Tony Khan did tweet afterwards. You can interpret that how you will but it's not a cause for celebration but i no. think it could have been a lot worse and there is some credit that has to be given to this one okay and i'll say this again tony please stop tweeting after full matches just concentrate on your wrestling please don't tweet about full <laughs> anymore you do yourself no service you do us no service please stop tweeting someone take away his twitter account during a full match i'm going to keep saying it it's just ridiculous don't tweet please don't anyways i, I want to share some comments here all right this is from my friend, Chris, it is hard not to give too much respect when playing Man City. I certainly understand that. And this is a shot at me. I, I have to share this because uh, my friend Chris in Spain, him and I go back and forth on this. There are no throwaway games this season. I, I kind of intimated at the beginning of the season when we were talking about Arsenal. As well, if, you know, we're not expected to get anything against Arsenal. What are your thoughts about this, Max? Maybe this goes back to the mentality. If I'm having the mentality – that, you know what, I'm not expecting anything against Arsenal. Well, the players can't be thinking that either. They have to be thinking that, hey, maybe I can get something out of it. Yeah, I think Parker probably articulated that to them. And from the players' mentality, sure, you can't think of any throwaway games. But I think being fans, being realistic at some point, we didn't expect anything at the Etihad. At the same time, not many of us expected anything at the King Power Stadium. We got three points, so... I don't know. I don't think it really means too much when we analyze it, whether throwing matches. I think it's what the manager sets the team up is what's really important. Yep. And I, I don't know what it is with Parker, but we do have this habit of starting a game slow. So I think fingers could be pointed, not that it was a throwing game, but that we weren't up to the task, weren't switched on. Yep. And we really could have been down three or four within the first couple of minutes. Okay. Very good. Steve, I'm going to share this comment. I want we're talking about Mitro a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on this. I'm sorry, but Mitro does not hold up the ball as well as everyone thinks. 
He also gives the ball away so much. It's unbelievable. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, that's a serious comment, yeah? <laughs> right. Need to watch the, the game. He holds up the ball a lot. Half the time he's got two, sometimes someone else nabbing the ball off him. You go into a park and hold the ball off two people, maybe three people, yourself. Try and do it yourself and see how well you get on. You need support to do it. That is... I'm not going to go harsh because because uh, probably some of the stuff I say doesn't always make sense, but that's probably the funniest comment I've seen in a while. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I have to say it. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good, guys. All right. I'm going to ask you guys both something that I asked Emilio and Rob, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Max, biggest takeaway from the loss? Oh, I thought Ariola was, was very good, was excellent. Okay. My biggest takeaway is that, you know, again, this might show that it's needed to upgrade. You know, a lot of people had sentimentality about Rodak. Oh, I certainly okay. had some. But I think the addition of Areola is a bigger lesson that when we're in the Premier League, we need Premier League players. I said this last okay. week. I'm going to say it again. I think if we don't have Areola in there, it could have easily been five or six. Yeah. Um, so I'm just glad we have him in goal. He settled down after maybe a shaky first two matches. But I think he will be big uh, come the okay. end of the season. Hey, Max, who was in that two seasons ago? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think some guys at Burrow on loan, some random people. Never heard of them, but, you know, Italian sound of name, Bettinelli, maybe. Couldn't yeah, tell maybe. You. I'm not very good about keepers. <laughs> Max happens to be, and nothing wrong with it, a huge fan of Marcus Bettinelli. So there's nothing he's wrong He's doing with great at Burrow. Okay. Warnock, great manager for him. He's, he's doing lovely. He'll come back next season, I bet. A stronger okay. man. Okay, very good. All right, Steve, what's the biggest takeaway from you from the loss? Definitely, definitely a nipple. Sorry, Ariola. Um, definitely Ariola. Um, sorry, did I say nipple? Um, <laughs> it is a poster. Oh, Steve, for you? I know um, it's late. I know it's post watershed here. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, Ariola. Definitely. I mean, if we do stay up this year, and believe it or not, I'm going to say to you now, I think we can scrape 16th or 17th this year, simply because Ariola is going to keep us in games. But the, the key is that we're going to need, as we're going to go back to, we need to need to invest in January in another striker. I it's totally not, agree, Steve. It's not just Mitro's fault. Sorry, I'm, I'm yeah. uh, you know, transcending a bit, bit here. But basically, it's not Mitro's fault. But the players will go through off forms. Even the best players will go through off forms. But you need to have another option in there. So if we've got another option, Mitro can say, right, OK, I can have a two, three games off if I need to, get my head back to where it is, work on my game, come back stronger competition but let's be honest at the moment he doesn't even have any competition even though he's sat on the bench yep he doesn't have any competition playing in front of him he doesn't so it doesn't matter if he plays well or he doesn't eventually he's still going to get back in the team so you don't buy the cavalero experiment no i don't um and going back to what max was saying with the takeaways of sort of we've been starting starting um game slowly I think we've been doing that if I'm honest and this is going to sound really bad thinking back we've probably been doing it since since the Khans took over you know even under Jokanovic we were doing you know sort of half and half or you know not playing too well in one half playing much better in the second half something's got to be going at the club in the background because most teams just tend to play for a whole game right? At some stage, but I, I, I don't know. I'm probably sort of divulging away a bit, but um, that's just my sort of takeaway from the loss, really. We seem to do it all the time, play in fits and starts, and yep. it's, you, you can't do that, not at this level. Okay, very good. I'm going to share one more comment here. This is from John Steele. Men say just happened to be one of the best teams in Europe, so just forget it and move on. 
Listen, I agree with moving on, but we can't forget it because we're talking about it on the show. But I understand, John, where you're coming from on that. Okay, guys, let's now get to talking about the starting 11 because this, we can really get into a little bit more. We've already talked a little bit about it. So, Steve, I'll go to you first. When you saw the starting 11 an hour before the match, what were your thoughts? Obviously, big talking points are the players that were not involved in the starting 11. Your thoughts? Um, look at it two ways. I think I think it would be unfair to drop anyone from the lineup that beat Leicester. As, as a you know, as a player, you'd be thinking, well, you know, what have I done wrong? But at the same time, I also think it was the easy decision. And if you put yourself, if you had a Guardiola in charge, you had a Mourinho in charge, do you necessarily think he would have gone with the same starting eleven that in the next game? I don't think they would have. There'd have been one or That's two an sort interesting of interesting way to look changes. at it. Um, and I think that's the difference between the top managers and obviously sort of the, you know, um, I'm warming to Parker, if I'm honest, a little bit. Sure. Because um, it's not all his fault. But at the same time, um, that's what that's that's what would make the difference between him being a top manager and him being middle of the road manager is little things like this. Um, tweaking okay. it. Okay. So, so you really, you truly believe that it wasn't about tactics it had more to do with it for you it was just an easy decision just go with the same team from yeah, reward. City. yeah reward, reward exactly interesting what are your thoughts about that max because i actually disagree a little bit with steve i thought it was tactical but i see where he's coming from because you reward the players that played well against leicester city and you're thinking well they're similar the teams they're really not because man city is just a different level what are your thoughts of steve's analysis of the starting 11 was it an easy decision or was it a tactical decision and what were your thoughts on it yeah you know i don't want to be too hypocritical because you know me you Giannis on the show after lesser city just gushed about the performance i think we all agreed yeah. every single player that's starting 11 you put in such a shift should start against city so i'm not going to come here and, but does and, steve have a point that well, i mean was it easy managers make yeah. those tough decisions i'm curious no, no. Tom Andrews had definitely a better squads at their disposal, so that's one thing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do want to focus on Micho for a bit because people go ahead. are saying Absolutely. Go ahead. he's he's you know transitioned from like the talisman in the championship, someone who just scored almost every single goal we scored was through Micho. Then having that injury in the playoff playoffs, not playing a big role essentially in any of the games that took us up when it really counted to the point when he's been kind of expendable in the Premier League and, and we've come here and started talking about tactical decisions. That to me is just shocking because he is someone who, when people think of Fulham, they think of Mitro. And you think no matter what kind of match you're playing, he's not starting 11. He's the first name of the team sheet in many instances. And I'm just kind of marveling at how we've gotten to the point where he's, you know, dispensable. And he can sit on the bench and we won't really have too much of a problem with it. And he can sit on the bench against Leicester City and we probably have our best performance of the season. Yeah. Um, not really taking a position either way. I think I probably would have gone with what Parker did and started Cav just because he did such a good job against Leicester. But it, it is kind of odd that we're at, at this point when, you know, is Mitch Rich going to come in the, in the Premier League and we've settled on, you know, he's not a starter week in, week out, or at least Parker has decided that. Yeah, it's, you know, again, it's very interesting, some of these decisions. And um, Steve actually brought up one, like I said, I wasn't thinking – that it was an easy decision, but Steve actually brings up a point. It's something to really ponder. But this one was something that we need to talk about, and we already talked a little bit about it. It's fascinating. Steve, 
making Anderson the captain after just coming to form. What are your thoughts on that? He's clearly seeing something in Anderson that, that he likes about him. Plus, you haven't got your captain or your vice captain on the pitch you at don't. the time. So then you're, then you're looking down the squad thinking, OK, probably who garners the most respect in training? Who's got a fair amount of experience? Who... Who do players look at? And it, yeah, who's a who's a leader? Because not everyone's a born leader, you know. So when I used this to play true. Football, when I used to play football, I, I'm hands down and tell you, I'm not I'm not captain material. You just get some players that are captain material, and just some people that just just aren't, you know, just aren't just aren't cut out for it. And you know, like I say, Anderson's obviously one of those leaders. Okay, very good, Max. Your thoughts? I think centre backs are what you want as a captain because usually leaders that make a good the attribute to make a good center back, make you a good leader, you know, strong, physical, loud, have to be really good at communication. You see the whole game plan in front of you. So it makes sense. You'd have a center back as a captain. Last time we have that was, you have to go back a while, right? Um, yeah. Since Vidicani and, and Mitra essentially. And I like Anderson, you know, what do I? I think the fact that he's on loan and they've been pretty, at least what was reported at the time was that it's very unlikely we get him permanently because Leon rated him, but just wanted to get him game time essentially. So, it's interesting, so it's not really a investment in the future. I don't know what he is like in, in the in the training ground or in the dressing room, but I can't have any qualms I say, with him being captain. Um, maybe Harrison Reed, you know, but again, he's not a guaranteed starter, but he's someone who's been at the club for a bit longer than Anderson and seems to be that midfield um, workhorse. But, I, you know, maybe it's, uh, it's on me for bringing too much attention to this. How much, you know, does a captain really matter in – in a match. I think Kevin McDonald, when he was there, he wasn't oh, the he captain, was but he was the leader. So, so there, is, is the, the armband really ceremonial? Who knows nowadays? Uh, it's just something to talk about, but, uh, let me throw out a name. How about Nguisa? Yeah. I mean, Nguisa definitely plays that center midfield role. And, and that's what I'm saying. I, I'm the leader sure. from, from central yeah, midfield, right? I think well, the issue with him is that he left, uh, when I'm in the, in the championship, I think that's a different story. When someone who's on the team and says, you know, I don't really fancy a shift getting us promoted, that says to me a little bit about where he sees his future, which I think is at a club better than Fulham, unfortunately. But okay. I'm just not sure if you want to send that message to the players that someone who can, goes out to Villarreal for a season and then comes back in and is made captain. Um, is that who you want? And that's why I think it's another argument against Anderson because he's not a permanent player. Okay, very good. All right. Coming up next, we're going to analyze first half and of course in the second half and then we will have some interesting topics to go along with our analysis okay guys let's get into talking about the first half and uh, I just think we have to really go right to talking about the first goal from Man City we've talked about this so many times I talked about this on the preview show with my guest Fulham needed to weather the storm Max get through the first 20 minutes they certainly did not do that and uh I, I think Kevin De Bruyne is still one of the best players in the world. What a tremendous pass. You know, again, we have to give that him credit for that. And, of course, the finish from Raheem Sterling. But when I watched it back, and you see all the foam players around it, it was actually really upsetting to see it happen. But this is a great goal for Man City. Your thoughts on the early goal for Man City? Yeah, it's well taken by Sterling and very well found by De Bruyne, as you mentioned. But it was just a sleep. And it's just such a frustrating feeling as a supporter, you know. You wait on this match all week, and it's five minutes in, and it's over, you know, because there really was no coming back from that early deficit against City. And it's just the worst feeling because you've just 
wasted away all the time in training, all the preparation as Parker's no doubt said, keep it nil-nil for as long as possible. Give us a chance. Just like yep. the Leicester match. Give us a chance to get in the match. And once you just, you know, you're too slow to react. I mean, the center backs have to know that Sterling is, is going to be someone who's going to look in behind. And just Anderson took too long, in my opinion, to to run back. And he's never going to be in the foot race. Everyone knows that. Just frustrating to give away. But to be honest, they should have gone ahead a couple minutes earlier when Sterling just kind of hit it with his, outside of his right boot. Probably yep. should have taken it with his left. So it's not like we didn't have a warning sign. You know? There was a warning sign. You're right. Yeah, and we just didn't switch on. Uh, but that's what Man City do. They swarm you, as Steve mentioned. The way they press when they lose the ball. It's just, incredible. It just suffocates you. It doesn't give you any chance to kind of play our game, which is to possess, get comfortable. We didn't get set. Nope. Uh, and they, they were good value of that lead. Whenever Fulham had the ball, guys, just go back and watch it. It went right back to Man City right away. And that's credit to Man City. that Fulham could not do anything. And as we talked about, they were toothless, but I think Man City had a great deal to do with that. All right, let's go to the 25th minute. Steve, I'll go right to you now. Steve is a ref, so one of the reasons why was to have him on was to talk about this situation. But I also love Steve's commentary because he doesn't hold any punches. He lets it rip. Steve, let's get into it. Was it a soft penalty, my friend? Uh, I'm going to get asked this when I referee tomorrow night about what <laughs> soft free kicks. And at the end of the day, I always say it's it's not soft. It either is or it isn't. But okay. I do I do get what people mean when they say soft. I'm, I'm not that sort of naive. Um, yeah, it was soft. Um, you see it in fast motion. And I watched it again just before we come on air. For, okay. I don't know how many times I've watched it. But just to get it, get it clear in my head again. Um, it's fast motion. I think it's spot on. The referee has to award it. Absolutely. VAR. Rob Wilson said that too, yeah. Steve. He, he said that that's a that's a penalty. Yeah, VAR have to award it as well, although because it's not a clear and obvious error. Although I'm still struggling to see absolute anything other than minimal contact, um, and it just looks like Sterling's legs have been shot from beneath him <laughs> when he's just literally been scraped on the hair on his knee. Um, I'm yep. not gonna I'm not gonna lie about that, and and. I will, I'll say it now, if, if we were to get a penalty, obviously you'd take it, you would, because it'd be a Man City, you might be 1-0 one, one up, you might end up winning right. the game 1-0, 2-1. But honestly, if I was getting a, that penalty as a player, I'd be embarrassed. Okay. It's, it's that bad. Um, okay. But that's and, just my opinion. Okay, so let's get back to talking about this, because I have some interesting topics that we're going to talk about right after this. Steve, was this simulation to you? Because, again, it looked like it to me. You know, we're going to talk about the worst divers that you've seen against Fulham. And then we'll talk about um, players that have dived for Fulham. What are your thoughts about this? Because I watched it back. And like you said, this to me, again, was pretty bad. Your thoughts on Raheem Sterling. I understand why they're doing it, but I, I just cannot stand players that do this. Um, like you say, if there's any contact, it's going to be a penalty. So on that yep. side, we can probably all agree it's a penalty. But that, yes. but, but that said, to, to go down like you pretty much being someone swipe your legs out from underneath you when they barely graze your, graze your shin or something, then, then you know, that, that to me is, is simulation. Yes. Um, so it's hard because obviously you can't give it a simulation because there is contact at the same time. It's, well, I was going to ask you that because yeah. you can't give it because there is contact. 
Yeah, you you can't. I mean, you can't obviously, take a simulation. The, no, you can't. I mean, the the, the fair, like I say, from from the quick the quick view, it looks like he's actually taken him out a bit more than he actually has. But if you were to have that view in the quick view, then I'd probably be inclined not to give it. I'd say, well, okay. you made made an absolute meal out of that. There's absolutely, if anything, in it at all. Get on with it. Do you know what I mean? It's a phys- it's a contact sport at the end of the day. Right. Um. So I'm not really sure why he's hitting the deck, but um. But some players. But then you see other ones. I think there was another incident the weekend where well, a player didn't how about go Leeds down. United in the yeah, Leeds United match. Yeah, that was more of a penalty. But yes. just because just because he didn't hit the floor, he didn't get given the penalty kick. Exactly. So again, again, I can understand on that front to back Raheem Sterling to say, well, absolutely, if you've got a touch and you want to make sure that someone's seen it, you know, go go down. But it but it is a little bit cheeky and a little bit. It is not. Something doesn't sit right with me about that. Uh, and like I say, it'd be the same if it was for us as well. It just doesn't sit right. Yeah, with I me. would feel the same uh, way. And listen, we were fortunate to get the penalty with uh, Bobby Decker Dover Reed, but he, again, he definitely, you know, again, there was contact there. So this to me mm-hmm. was a different level. This to me was Sterling making something happen where, again, I think this is simulation max. Over to you. What are your thoughts on on all of this? Because again, like you said, if this happens to us, like like I brought up the Bobby Decker over I think that's a little bit different because Bob, Bobby, I don't think is simulating. I think Raheem Sterling is. So, what are your so- thoughts on all of this? And do you think it's a soft penalty? Yeah, I can speak from experience when I used to play. It's that okay. I I always want to score a goal, you know. And I think what you see with Decker over Reed is. He wants to get on, on the end of that ball. He wants to get in the box and beat Fuchs, right? To get the goal. But and, I think that, that's a legitimate penalty. Exactly, that's penalty. Sterling didn't want to score here. And, no. and that's what I, what I hate about this because if you go down, I'd be running right the way up just to get back on my feet and get to the ball. Exactly. Right? I was watching the Maradona documentary the other week. And that's he got kicked all the time, but he would be kind of running on his hands and knees just trying to get back up and carry on the ball. Those are players who are on divers. Those are players who want to legit, legitimately score and do something positive. What I hate about the, the Sterling incident is that it's a negative act. He's not really in a clear position. It's not like he's going by Anderson. As soon as he feels a contact, he's not looking to score. He's looking to buy the penalty. That's what sits r- wrong with me about it. Yep. Um, but, you know, Steve really well articulated the laws of the game. Right. And that there was contact. It was minimal, but there was. And that's a penalty. Uh, that's, it was that's the right call. Matter. Absolutely. And I, right I think call. what Steve said about VARs, I think the best thing is that it wasn't a clear and obvious error which is yeah. the reason why it had to be given, even though we hate it. It's that there was no error there, you know? But no, there was the no error there. It so much and was so clearly cynically looking for it. That's the worst part. Right. But, you know, and again, this is a different sport, Max, but we see this all the time in the NBA. You know, again, it's flopping. Yeah, you can't that's what this is. It's flopping. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Any contact is a foul. It's a joke sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, along with talking about this, I thought I would, ask everyone you know again uh if you're watching live feel free to share your comments on this steve i'll give you first shot at this which player has been the worst diver against fulham in your time of watching fulham play you know i'm gonna say sadio mane a couple seasons ago i thought that was pretty bad you know and that helped liverpool who's been the worst diver against fulham you've got me thinking because i've never really Never really you never thought me. of it that way? Never thought of it that way. I mean, after after the weekend, I'll probably, you know, because it's so fresh, I'll be inclined to say 
to say uh, Sterling. And I'm going to say on the side, I love the guy because obviously he's an English oh, English, yeah. English player. But um, but again, you know, he does hit the floor a bit too easily. Um, Mane as well. But then you can argue these these guys these guys we probably don't appreciate are running at you know running at high paces and and they're very quick. And at the end of the day. You know, when they do get taken out, like maybe we're doing a, doing a disservice. It, you know, it, it is a lot more. You know, they are going down. I mean, not quite like how Sterling did it this weekend, but when he does go down at times, you know, he is genuinely getting fouled, um, and okay. it just looks a lot more innocuous than it really is. Um, okay. So yeah, but probably yeah, I'm probably going to say Sterling's one of them, and like you say, as many wingers as you can think of that have played against us have probably been guilty. Okay, I think we have a winner, and again, it didn't. Involve a penalty. I think this is the winner, Max. Yeah, no, Brian read my mind. I was just going to say Grealish. I remember from the playoff final, he'd always be going down, looking for something, rolling around. And then he went and kicked Thank Danny, you, Brian, by the way. He gets it off. So thank you, Brian. That, that's a great chat. <laughs> guys, yeah. guys, I'm still thinking back to that where Ross and we were at Wembley, and I still cannot believe to this day how Grealish did not see a red card. Yes. Yeah, uh, disgusting. Yeah. It we was know straight. That- it was straight away from the first tackle, from the first moment we called it. I said red card. I just don't understand. I remember, Steve. I, I was with you. I remember. <laughs> it was it was clear as day, you know. And we were we were how many yards away up the other end of the field? Um, it was just baffling, you know. Sometimes like uh, I I don't know. Um, it's probably getting late. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very interesting stuff, and uh, I'm glad that we're talking a little bit about it. Just. A couple of different topics that I thought would be fun to talk about. Well, I don't know how much fun people are going to think about the reverse on this is, but Max, I'm, I'm going to go to you. I, I want to get your thoughts on this and your history of watching Fulham. Okay. Who was the worst diver for Fulham? Yeah. So I was talking about it off air with you guys, and I said Kamara because I just remembered one incident at Starby in the playoff semifinal. Um, the the home leg actually when he we thought he was through on goal and he just totally flew himself uh, to the floor that was bad but I'm actually gonna go with Mitrovic um, and not necessarily a bad way but he yep. knows how to win a foul oh I think he does when he's backing up against an opposition center back he always sells it and he can really fling himself on the floor uh, very impressively so not gonna be mutual hate on this episode but I'm sure. almost respecting it because um, when it's for us we'll take it but he's very <laughs> theatrical when the ball's in the air. Okay, that's a good one. I'm actually going to go with Clint Dempsey. And, uh, you know, I watched Clint for a long period of time. I saw it with the New England Revolution. I, again, I'm a huge Clint Dempsey fan. I am not a fan of his simulation. I think he's made it, you know, again, I, I would say he probably feels that, that it's an art form. And, you know, it's part of the game. I, again, uh, I've never spoke spoken to Clint, but... Again, I do not like players that dive because I think that they don't need to, and I wish Quint didn't do this. So I'm going to say Quint Dempsey. What are your thoughts, Steve? Um, if you're listening, definitely Rob Wilson. Um, absolutely Rob Wilson. Um, hands down wins it for me. 10 out of 10, Rob, if you're listening. I know you are, um, or you will be. Yeah, um, never seen anything like it. I remember when I way back when I was actually, no, I wasn't alive then. Sorry, Rob. Um, <laughs> Steve, where are you going tonight? Um, yeah, no, um, like I said, it's late, Russ. No, on a serious note, though, um, yep. I'm joking, Rob. Um, it's got, yeah, it's, Dempsey was one of the worst for doing it. And again, like I said, I never really thought about it, but Dempsey always used to hit yeah. the deck at anything when it, there was like... Just go back and watch and go back and see... Mm. And uh, it, 
again, I'm not a fan of simulation at all, and, and it goes back mm. far. And, you mm. know, and, and I also think part of it, believe it or not, Max, goes back to NBA. I, I think that might have influenced me a little bit about it because it drives me crazy in, in basketball. But I never liked it when our players did it. And the answer that would always be, would I take it? And the thing is, obviously, as a Fulham supporter, you know, you know, you want them to score, but I never liked when he would simulate. I, I never did, Max. Yeah, well, Brian Lake is kind of agreeing with me in the comments. He's saying, downright un-American, Ross, and I have to agree. <laughs> I will not tolerate any Clint Dempsey slander on this podcast. Um, it's a sad day when I have it. It's a sad day. Oh, man. Oh, look at Brian's really going to town on me. Okay. All right. All right. Well, sorry, Brian. That's just how I feel. I love Clint Dempsey. He brought me to Fulham. But you know what? It's just something about this that I've never liked about his game. He's, you know, again, was a great player for Fulham, but I just wish he was not a diver. And sorry, he was. That's just my opinion. I'm going to stick to it. Okay, guys, let's now switch to the second half. And what's interesting about this is, you know, Max, this goes back to what you said before. This could have been five, six, maybe even more than that. And yes, I understand why you mentioned and others have mentioned, well, Man City took their foot off the gas. But I think Fulham had a part to do with it. In fact, I thought they had a huge part in it. Now, it's funny because I saw comments on Twitter during the match complaining that Fulham were not doing everything that they could to, you know, again, they were trying to keep it down. And my answer to that is why would you, try, you know, again, to get scored upon five, six, seven times. I thought that they were more aggressive in the second half, and they were looking to try to make a go of it a little bit, but still had some defensive, still had their defensive shape, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I do think the majority of it has to be attributed to City, because I think if City wants to score more, they could have, honestly, if they felt the need to, they could have turned up the gas, but they thought, you know what, it's 2-0, it's over. Champions League, whatnot. You know, we got the Derby coming up next week against United. We don't have to expend too much effort. So I'm going to give that to City. Okay. But you're right. You know, I think the defense was solid. You know, there were large stretches of the match when, you know, nothing really happened. And for us, yeah. it might have been a good thing. There were, we had our first shot on target, like the 70th minute. It was Cavalier, yeah. I think. So, you know, that was the biggest year of the game for me. I was delighted. That was absolute scenes. Uh, you know, there wasn't much going on in the second half. That's that's how I'd put it. Um, okay. But when you're down 2-0 and you're trying to do damage control, which you were doing, that's not yeah. a bad thing. No, it's not. And again, if you look at the big picture, you've already said this. Only losing 2-0 could actually really benefit Fulham later on the season. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think goal difference will, will play a role. And I think of those, you know, bottom four or so, I think we're around, you know, not the worst. That's all I have to say. And We'll take the small wins when we can get them. Okay, very good. I have to share this because uh, Brian's really get going after me here. <laughs> uh, Max, check Russ's passport. Yeah, I, I get it. Okay, okay. Very funny, Brian. Well, here is okay. this. Let's do this as a compromise. When Dempsey was at Fulham, yep. he was fine. When he went to Spurs, oh, it was awful, and we had to condemn it. But when he's at Fulham, he's at the cottage, it's okay. We'll, we'll accept the diving. I still feel <laughs> the way I feel. I can't change my mind on that. Okay. Steve, over to you. I, I want your analysis of the second half. Again, uh, you know, 
I think Emilio and Rob both did a good job on full time, but Emilio really went to town on Fulman and was honest about this. Fulman were toothless. Did they really have any really good opportunities? Later in the match, they really tried to make a go of it a little bit. But again, for me, it was more like damage control and they were able to control it a little bit. And I think in the end, that might pay off. It's funny because I'm, as we're doing this, I'm watching highlights and Jack Grealish just came on the screen. That's pretty funny. Steve, your thoughts on the second half? Um, we're toothless up front. Have you ever seen the uh, Man City game going a few back, going back a few years when uh, David James came on up front? <laughs> and um, I saw it recently on Sky again, and um, Stuart Pearce was talking about it. And that reminds me of, of how we play when we don't have a striker like Mitrovic. Yeah, he's not he's not in banging the form at the moment, but literally you might as well be putting David James or, or Anderson up top when we don't have, when we don't have Mitrovic there because the other guys, you know, are different players. They're not strikers. Cavalero, like like Max said, you know, he was he was in sort of you know having a great time when he had a first shot on goal. I was turning it around the living room with my shirt off. It was amazing. Um, but actually, no, I wasn't. I was sat there pretty much the same as Emilio. And I was just like, we, we're just not interested in this. Like, like Max said, Man City yep. won the game at 2-0. And probably, I'll be honest with you, we're probably only one of the teams that will sit there and will be comfortable taking a 2-0 and just say, OK, game's over. See you like, game's over at 2-0. Okay. Put some fight into it. You know, show some effort. You get some decent sun. You know, it's probably being a bit harsh, to be fair, because it is City. But you get some sort of half-decent semi-professionals giving it a right old go. You know, give it a go. Put some effort in. Um basics isn't it like Max was saying about the first goal just stay switched on keep your eyes on the game don't switch off but why Why are you switching off as a professional in the first few minutes and, yep. and such on a regular basis um, and yeah like you say you just got the second half and that was it really we're just kind of like oh well you know we're happy we're 2-0 they're happy we're 2-0 that's it we'll go home and that's it job done okay no. so that's going to go back to me asking both of you because we talked a little bit about this already the situation with Mitro Max, were you surprised that he did not come on at all in this match? Again, yes, we, yes. we've heard the commentary from Scott Parker. He does not come on at all. So what are your thoughts about that? I was very surprised because two of the subs. The subs are Lamina, Kearney, and Kamara. Kamara, yeah. I love Kamara. I love that gay 47. Love him. But, you know, I, I think he does offer the pace that Mitra doesn't have. But you have to put on Mitra, I think. I think to have him not play at all. None of the 90 minutes, even when you're down and you need a goal or something, a spark, that team is, was very surprising. I don't know. I think he will start against Liverpool. That's my prediction. He's had a rough couple of weeks, you know, after, you know, the Sheffield United match, one of his worst matches in the foam kit. Um, he went and missed a penalty for Serbia, right, against Scotland that knocked him out of whatever the Euro qualifications. And he just hasn't really played much for full, which is such an odd position for him. So I do feel for Mitro. But I'm not going to, I still back him to play against Liverpool and maybe give them some problems because I do think he believes in himself. And that's one of the best characteristics you have in a striker. He always wants the ball. He always thinks he can score. So I'm not going to be too doom and gloom here and say, you know, Mitro's going to leave in January. He's off to West Ham, et cetera, blah, blah. But I think it's a challenging time for him, but I still back him to bounce back. I do think he'll start against Liverpool. Okay. Steve, what are your thoughts on that? Were you thinking he was going to come on? 
Um, I think it's a bit of an indictment, and that is the only thing. I said I was coming around to Scott, but at the end of the day, if he's no. not going to bring Mitro on, we're 2-0 down at Man City, and you're not bringing on Mitro and Kenny, let's say, both together at the same time, let's say right. on the hour mark, I mean, something's got to be seriously wrong there. Something's not happening. Is he trying? To, is Parker trying to prove a point? Um, and Mitro's only as good as his service. Maybe he's just got kind of, maybe he has got a little bit. Well, of that's interesting because I want, I want to talk yeah. about something coming up about the game plan and the service because again Kenny Tete is someone that can cross the ball really well he's not available Mm -hmm. Joe Bryan did not play we're going to talk a little bit about Anthony Robinson we talked a little Mm -hmm. bit about that on full-time because we had an interesting comment about I'm going to ask you guys about weakest link I'm not saying that he was a weakest link but this goes back to talking about Metro Max does he not get the service that he needs? Or, again, was this part of the game plan that Parker just didn't want Fulham to just cross in the ball and or didn't think that, that it was going to be effective against Man City, which is part of the way he wanted them to play? I, I You know, again, I'm just asking the question. Yeah, Mitra always gets a tough time of it because he's so isolated when Fulham play. And it's not a job I think anyone as a striker relishes because you need that service. Oftentimes, the crosses aren't very good. Now, that's kind of the fact of the matter with the Fulham sides. We don't have yep. many talented crosses. You mentioned no. Tete. Well, he hasn't played since October, late September. That's right. Well, can put in the service, as you mentioned, Brian. He's not in the side at the moment. Um, Robinson leaves lots of desired. I know, leaves lots of desired. So yep. it's not easy for someone like Mitro. Yep. And he's going to have to, he has to make do with very limited opportunities and he gets frustrated, et cetera. So, yes, he hasn't had a good season at all. That's yep. for sure. I just think the question has to be for Parker in the matches to come. We know Fulmar can get many opportunities against Liverpool, perhaps. So yep. who do you want on the end of the very few opportunities? Do you want Cavalero or do you want Mitro? For me, the answer is easy. It's Mitro. Okay. Very good. Okay. Guys, to end the show, we're going to talk about the weakest link in this match or links. And then we'll end with man of the match. And, you know, listen, I, I already kind of just talked about this. When we talked about uh, on full-time, had a very interesting comment about Anthony Robinson. I'm not saying that he was the weakest link, but again, his crossing of the ball is just not good enough. So I just want to bring that up as we talk about issues that Fulham have. You know, and again, I, I think Anthony Robinson should be starting in that. And I think Anthony Robinson is going to be a very good player for Fulham, but his crossing isn't good enough. So in a way, I think that's a weak link because again, I just don't think that's the strength of his game for whatever reason. Over to you, Max. Who were the weakest links in this match? We're talking about players, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone really stood out to me as particularly poor. Uh, I might say Anderson just because he got beat out so easily on the Sterling goal. But this wasn't one of the matches when I really had a great vendetta against anybody, in particular on the Fulham side. There weren't too many big errors uh, throughout the match. But I, if I was were to pick, it would be Anderson. Anderson. Okay. How about you, Steve? Um, I'm going to disagree with Max, and I don't think I don't think he was necessarily weakest link. But for the first goal, I actually think the person who's got the best view of where that ball's going and can see, you know, sort of backing up his centre back is uh, uh, oh, I can't pronounce it tonight. Adibayaro, uh, Adibayaro. Okay. Uh, sounds like Babiaro, doesn't it? So I've seen Babiaro um, from up the road. But yeah, because um, he's got a perfect view. He's you know he's side on. He can see where Anderson is. He can see where the ball's okay. about to come, and he can see Sterling make that make that pull off. So he should be stepping across to to try and cut that out, and he's just ball watching. 
for want of a better word, maybe thinking I'm back at the Etihad, you know, amazing. This is great. Oh, hang on, we're one nil down. Um, but but yeah, that's I'm not going to criticise him because he's still a young okay. player. He's learning and he did do really well, you know, quite well for the rest of the game and he has done really well for us. But that particular incident was a weak link and that put us on the back, back burner straight away. Okay. I have a couple comments. They're both about the same player. All right, guys? This is about Ruben Loftus-Cheek in this match. Chris Davidson, RLC, you are the weakest link. That's pretty funny. Good one, Chris. Max, your thoughts on Ruben Loftus-Cheek's performance yeah. in this match? It was not good. Well, Chris and Brian, I think, might have hit the nail on the head because he was anonymous. Uh, he couldn't, couldn't name one thing he did, honestly, in the entire match. And, you know, I think maybe Karen is feeling hard done by. Maybe Lamina is feeling hard done by because I don't really think Lofts and Cheek is enough to justify his place in the starting 11 for the next match. Okay. How about you, Steve? What are your thoughts about Ruben Lofts and Cheek? And I'll ask both of you this question before we get, get to man the match. Rob Wilson believes that Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Tom Kearney can play together. What are your thoughts, first of all, of Loftus-Cheek in this match? Was he a weak link? And also, do you think him and Kearney can play together at the same time? Yeah, I mean, he's he's not he's not necessarily a weak link. He didn't play particularly well. But at the same time, you've got to ask yourself the question, why do a lot of players come to Fulham that do well elsewhere and do well when leaving Fulham and not seem to do so well when they're with us lately? Why is that? They, they, these players aren't just turned like like Yanis and people say they don't just turn into bad players overnight. Why, you know, right. Loftus Cheek was good at Palace. He's now back at Chelsea. Back to us. He's not so good. What if he goes on loan somewhere else and he's excellent again? You know what? What's going on to these players when they come to us? So he's, again, it goes back to what's going on behind the scenes. Is there a common denominator before Parker, before everybody else that isn't quite? You know, the balance of everything is it isn't quite quite right um for these players for the club i I don't know so um but yeah i I guess he was a weak link in this match um so i'm gonna say on that russ really i don't i don't i think it's unfair to go weak links um like you say because it was man city as well okay then and that's a good point there steve okay very good all right guys let's end with man of the match steve to you first who was man of the match for form mr nipple areola sorry Areola. definitely areola um (laughs) Sorry to all the ladies out there watching if you're offended. <laughs> That's by okay, this. Steve. I know it's late. Um, the, um, you can call 911 or 999, and uh, they'll probably put you through to my voicemail. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Ariola, let's be honest. It was Ariola was uh, fantastic, wasn't he? Some of the saves he does. That's the quality we've been, uh, we've been missing. And I'm, I'm going to share this. I don't necessarily think there isn't an option. There isn't an option to buy him. But if we were to stay in the league, um, and to add over the summer, I'm not so sure we couldn't possibly get hold of him. Um, so I wouldn't park that bus straight away that it's, it's not impossible. Obviously, if we go back to the championship, yep. absolutely, absolutely no chance because he's, a, he's at least a mid-table, if not you know higher up in the Premier League. But um, he's already shown that. But yeah, I don't think it's out of the question us keeping him. Okay, very good. Max, do you agree with Steve with Ariola being man of the match? And... Mike Gregg has said this, I don't know how many times, when your goalkeeper is made of the match, you got a problem. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Mike Gregg also is someone, when he does the stats analyses, he writes off all the match against the top six, essentially. There's no points. So um, that, that's something for, for everyone there. So, you know, we can disagree yeah. agree with that. Uh, no, but I would say, yeah, it is Areola for me. Um, it, it's not a good sign as well, not a good sign at all. 
But again, it is Manchester City, and although they're not having a good season, they're a step above Leicester. And I think there's no doubt they're the best squad in, in the division. So um, I, I can't really take too much away from this match um, other than that we have to start matches better. We have to switch on, at least give ourselves a chance. Because if you don't give yourself a chance in the first five minutes, it's over. You know, you go down early. But I don't want to take too many um, conclusions away from this match. Because I remember we, we did the same thing back in, what, 2017? Uh, sorry, 2018, when we played them. And we, we went behind within one minute. It's like a really bad pass from Adoy or Seri, I remember. Uh, and we lost 3 or 4 nil. But I remember saying to you, Ross, in the post-match show, yep. these matches are not going to determine whether we stay in the league or not. Right. It's going to be the match against teams around us. And we pro- uh, went on to lose all the matches against the teams around us that, that year. So we'll see. But again, this is not going to determine our season. I still think it's important we kept confidence intact and did not get battered. Okay. Russ, yes. just, to add to, just to add to Max, with the, the same thing seems to be happening again this year as happening last year. When we go behind, we don't tend to come back. When, we, right. go in, when we go in front, we seem to do 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 something out of the game that we win or get a draw. So Absolutely. maybe if we can start doing that a bit more this season, <laughs> then we might actually, you know, might actually go somewhere. I hear you. I hear you. Okay, guys, before we wrap this up, I do have one final topic, and this just involves the big picture because when when you look at it and you see Fulham play Man City, we're going to be playing Liverpool, and when when we go against these teams, you really look at Fulham's side. Are they equipped enough? to play against these teams and it's difficult because again it's funny uh you know i want to go back and talk end the show talking just a little bit about the recruitment and tony khan okay because again and i'll say it again someone needs to take away tony's twitter account during fall matches because he again just stop tweeting it's just please stop but the bigger picture is and and listen i i've heard other podcasts talking about him doing a good job talking about and asking the question do Fulham have enough talent to stay in the league? And it's a valid point because, again, Tony deserves criticism because, he, one, he did not bring in another striker. He needed to do that. So definitely deserve criticism there. The lateness of bringing in the center backs, I think, again, serious criticism. Some mistakes were made because, again, I don't think he should have let a certain player go out on loan even though he got injured, Alfie Mawson before you have another another uh, center back come in. Definitely deserves criticism, and we should be talking about that. But I'm going to ask both of you this question to end the show. Are Fulham talented enough to stay in the league? And, again, uh, Tony deserves all the criticism that he has. But are we talented enough, Steve? Because, again, I know you've been critical, and I agree that I think we need a striker. But as we are sitting here right now, do Fulham have enough talent to stay in the league? Not quite. A bit like, a bit like Tony's comment of a yo-yo. We could, we could be in the relegation zone. Yep. We could go out. And that comment, I'm going to go to that comment because that still works me. It's like um, before we came to the club, uh, you would have killed to be a yo-yo club. Well, yeah. we weren't, we weren't a yo-yo club until you came to the club. So um, again, so, stop tweeting. Yeah, stop tweeting. So, um, but yeah. Um, Tony deserves credit for the things that do come off, obviously, yep. and you're always going to get yes. credit when it doesn't. But I think the annoying thing is when the average man on the street sees it. I'll tell you now, I, was, I, I tweeted this to Tony as well before, I think. Yep. If you, if you gave an X amount of uh, to sign a player, so let's say 20 million, 
Steve, Tony Khan gives you 20 million to go and sign a player. Tony, you've got 20 million. Go and sign the same sort of player in a position. I can guarantee you now I will sign a better player than Tony will. Okay. I'm that confident. It's a big shout. Well, I'm telling you now, I'm sat I'm sat here. If Tony wants to give me twenty million in the January transfer window, go get me a go get me a decent striker. I don't know, I don't know about this. Yeah. I, I don't okay. do it. I, I think Okay, what are your thoughts, Max? You know, and again, because listen, he gets a lot of stick and I, I think a lot of it is warranted because again of what we don't have, but obviously there are a lot of good players. At Fulham. So I want to get your thoughts. I'll give you last word on this. Are Fulham talented enough to stay in the league? And what are your thoughts about the team building? I, th- I think the transfer window was, was good once we got it done, right? As yep. you mentioned, Russ, I think you put it very well. It was all too late. Everything Way too late. too late. Too late. But put that, be, put that beside, which I know is hard to do because yeah. like the first couple matches. You know, Chris has put this in the, in the comments. It's true. Areola. I mean, this is someone who's played for Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain. Yes. And he's much better than what we had last time. Much better than Rico, yep. Fabri, um, et cetera, Benelli. Much better. Then, I mean, look at Anthony Robinson. This is a player we got for what? Less than 2 million quid? Adorabio, less than 2 million well, quid? Great look signing. at Chris's comment when you look yeah. at the players brought in. Harrison Reed. Everyone was saying, good point by Chris. Sign you know, really that there. permanent contract. He got it done. Lookman, I still maintain Lookman is our best player. Got him on a loan. Good deal. Anderson, Champions League quality player on a loan. Tete, another Champions League, Champions League yep. player. Got him for what, five million or something. Yep. A lot of good business was done in the window. And I think you look at the quality in, 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 that, in that signing, and let's not forget Lofts' cheek, who has not yep. hit the heights we thought he would, but I was here on Trans Deadline Day saying that might be the best signing. Still has time to grow. It's it's a positive window. There are gaps, right? Right. We're missing the right wing, we're missing a striker. We know that. Right, exactly. And and I think we're being fair with criticizing the gaps. But I think the flip side is to talk about what Chris just said and what you're saying, Max. So I'm I'm going to say the squad is good enough. I think if you look at the okay. mini league we have at the bottom four, I think we're better than West Brom. I think we're better than Sheffield United in terms of squads. I think Burnley. It's tough because they have a lot of Premier League experience, but yep. I say. We're about even with them. Okay. And we might be in Brighton's league. I think we did a good job. The question is, they, they can't gel immediately, and it was done too late. But I, I yeah. do think the Premier League quality got side now, okay. and I think it's a lot better than it was in 1819. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And here's a comment from Brian. At least this time he's not taking a shot at me. Always a window behind. Center back last time. Striker this time. You know, and – Again, certainly understand that, Brian. Very good. Okay, great show. We do have to wrap this up because I feel bad for Steve. He, he's, he looks pretty tired. So let's wrap this up. For my co-host, Max Cohen and Steve Lindyard, I'm Russ Cohen. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Connor's Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. 
Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.